you got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Pulse Welcome to, their to industry. Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The League presents Electric People. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Electric People. We have our very own director of Legion, William Hard. Uh, Will, great to have you on the show today, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited. Um, I don't know how well you and Ty know each other, probably cross paths on league trips and things like that. But um, Ty Will is our director over Legion, and he started with us back in 2015. Is that right, Will? Uh, 2015, 2016. I'm pretty sure that's right. Right around there. He started in the Baltimore office and quickly became one of the top reps in that office was quickly promoted to become a DM in our newly opened Virginia market. So Will is one of uh, you know the few managers in the company that has opened up a state and he essentially did it uh, you know with the help of uh, Grant Klein and a couple of the leaders there. but will has really uh, been the catalyst for the success of Virginia and um, you know, opening up a new state has a ton of challenges, which we can get into here in a little bit. But he was the DM, the district manager of that market for uh, the last four years now and um, is the consistently the top loan producing office in the company. It's a loan only market. I believe it is it our only loan only market right now or is Colorado? Do you have any on the West Coast, Ty? Um, yeah, some of our markets have the option to do like i mean utah's loan only um colorado's loan only but you can do lease the guys just it's more more Don't incentivizing them, yeah. To do loan. yeah got it yeah virginia right now is has been loan only um potentially having the lease open up here uh in the next couple months we'll see um but uh nonetheless will consistently one of our top performing dms and directors for the last couple of years now consistently 20 plus installs every single quarter uh one of the most consistent guys we probably have on the whole east coast and in the company um and my favorite thing about will is he's got one of the most grovelly just manly marlboro man voices you're ever going to hear ty so um, (laughs) i'm looking forward to this interview so will Good to have you on, man. What's new in uh, What's new in your neck of the woods? I appreciate uh, getting the chance, to, the opportunity to speak here. The only thing that's new is living in a, a little bit of a different area, but looking forward to the changes and everything that's going on. That's going to be fun. Yeah, you just barely moved down to Richmond, right? I've been here a little over a month now. Yeah. So we were talking about this, um, not to get too far in the weeds on this, but we were talking about it kind of pre-show, and you moved down there, right? before all the protests and everything started happening and you live like ground zero right in the hub of where a lot of the confederate monuments and statues and kind of all that stuff is so what's that been like over the last couple weeks uh it's been interesting um it's been cool to see a lot of the younger generation get involved and um stand for what they believe and without getting into the the weeds there uh it's still been it's been really cool to be part of i i'm a stone's throw away from the robert e lee monument that was just taken down and um 
you and your wife were down there. What took you guys down to Richmond? Uh, Caitlin's going to school at VCU. And oh, then with the, the, uh, the ability to open Richmond has been the goal either way. So it's just kind of, it worked out together. In these marches, how many people are like coming by your house? Like, is it, is it, I mean, like, are we talking a couple hundred, couple thousand? Like, what's it look like from your porch? Uh, the biggest one was on a Saturday. It was a 5,000 person march. And I actually cut the day early so I could see part of it. And I, I don't know exactly how many people were there, but there were thousands. There was way more than 5,000. That was just the name of it. Jeez, mm. that's crazy. That is Man, crazy. That's nuts. You're... You're, um, you mentioned your wife's at VCU. Ty Will is, I think, maybe our youngest director in the company. Um, 27 years old, right, Will? I, I'm actually 28. I just turned 28, 28 in February. Um, I know Zach is 30. How young, what's the youngest director on the West Coast, Ty? Um, I think Dave and Taylor are both 34. We're just dusty okay. old dudes over here, man. I think Richard, Richard I think? I'm not sure. If, I don't know how old Richard is either. I know he's young too. Um, but, uh, Will, so this is kind of what I want to start with. So, um, you've been a co-director for a while. Um, you find yourself in a position where you're the sole director over Legion right now. And a lot of the DMs that you work with are older than you. Well, I would say most, all of them are older than you, right? So do you, what's the dynamic like working with guys that are older? Have you felt any, sort of pushback or any sort of pride from, you know, them taking, you know, counsel or advice or feedback from someone that's younger than them, or have you felt like it hasn't been an issue at all? Um, I, I think it's a, a lot more of a matter of how you approach it because I learn from the DMS all the time. Some of the uh, senior guys in Legion, I mean, just to give a shout out, um, with uh, the the likes of Grant, Nick, Jake, Camillo, and Q, uh, Keith, Lee, the guys that have been here for a really long time, I still consistently learn from them. And I think we operate a lot more as a unit than uh, me being the manager per se. So I, I, I think I lean on these guys just as much as they lean on me because that's kind of the beauty of this industry. You learn and grow together. As soon as you think you know everything is the minute you realize you don't know anything. What, um, um, you have uh, Maryland's an interesting market because it's one of our less profitable markets. And over the last couple of years, they've made a huge shift toward loan. Uh, and I know you've been highly integral in training and helping and push that. What What's that been like um, in Maryland? And, and what's it like working in a market where uh, you know, maybe don't have all the same sort of resources as one of our more profitable markets? For sure. So I guess I want to share a quick story with that because I also want to give a, a major shout out to Grant because Virginia would not be where it is without Grant. And our first couple of days knocking after uh, the zip code was open because it all happened really fast, we realized after a door or two that we didn't know the name of the utility. And so we looked it up quick, but Grant kept calling the name of the utility the ODU bill and asking homeowners to go get their ODU bill. That's old Dominion University. It's not <laughs> actually the ODU bill, it's Dominion. <laughs> um, so, so that was funny. But after uh, we, we've kind of figured that out, uh, we just leaned on Nick and Jake, and Jake were instrumental in Maryland. Nick Yuha and Jake Cook were instrumental in Maryland for uh, kind of taking what we've learned and then just pushing and spreading that out. Um, so it, it's, it was a lot of fun to actually get to learn how to sell a, a different product. There's 
all different kinds of failures, uh, all different kinds of different learning experiences. The first actually install in Virginia uh, was Grant Klein's, and we both were there to close. I would guess literally eight or nine times. We had an issue with the SPA because we didn't have SREX. And if you ever checked no on the SREX, the contract would get denied. So we could look in Mercury. But I bet he signed the contract 30, 40 times. So it, it was fun. You're like, you're like, hey, one more time. Just to make sure we got this signature really right. Just to make sure we got it really right. <laughs> um, Will, what's your, what's your background in? What were you doing before solar? You, I, like Adam said, we've kind of we've brushed past each other in various exotic locations for our trips and stuff. But... Um, I don't know much about your background. For me, you kind of exploded on the scene. So what were you doing before all this and how'd you get connected with uh, direct sales? So the, I actually got connected with direct, direct sales as a accident. Um, I was working for uh, Boeing at the time doing all kinds of different traveling uh, when Caitlin actually got into school at Hopkins. In what city? The, I was still living in Michigan while I was working for Boeing, but I was traveling to Seattle and all kinds of different places. Caitlin got into school yeah. at Johns Hopkins, so we wanted to move to Baltimore, uh, made the move, and long story short, um, I, it, it was a little bit more of a temporary gig with Boeing. Uh, I ended up losing my job there and had to find something else and then found Vivint, and it's been a blessing ever since. How'd you find it? So I was recruited by Greg Carey, who I don't think is actually with the company anymore, um, but I met him at a bar, and he invited me into a meeting, and truthfully, I almost walked out within the first 30 seconds. I walked in suit and tie, ready to go. That was what I, the experience that I had. <laughs> you were that and guy. I think Brady... Uh -oh. <laughs> Dude, that's Brady, the funniest thing Brady had the team. We never remember to tell people that. We never remember to tell them, hey, when you come to check the meeting out, we're casual. And I've, I've been doing this for 17 years and it still happens where it's like, yeah, dude, come check All it out. Come see the guys. You'll love it. And they show <laughs> up with time, a yeah. leather portfolio with a resume and a suit. And I'm like, oh, I forgot to tell them. Wear your short pants, you know? The, the best part is, is I'm not sure what sort of incentive was going on or whatever, but I believe Brady Cullum and Daryl Doucette were both there at the meeting and they had everyone throwing eggs at a wall at gift cards, trying to knock them <laughs> off the wall. And if you, if you got to knock the gift card off the wall, you got to keep it. So I almost immediately turned around. Just because it looked <laughs> like a circus no or because you weren't dressed right? no part of this fun. <laughs> uh, I just don't know what to, to make of it at the time. I thought it was unprofessional and then I've come to love that this culture. So I, I'm really glad that I stuck it out and, uh, I learned what Vivint was about. It's a different culture for sure, man. Maybe talk about your integration into the culture because uh, I've never had that experience. I've always been a part of it. Pretty much from college, uh, I got into direct sales and you know we've kind of been a part of the culture and shaped the culture. But how was that integration coming in and going from the suit and tie guy to almost walking out to becoming somebody that directs culture on the East Coast now? Maybe talk us through what that was like and, and how your mindset shifted. So after I got started and I, I uh, heard what the job was and um, kind of realized what the opportunity was, I, I got really excited. So I immediately kind of just put my nose to the grindstone, wanted to figure this out as fast as possible. Uh, but it was, it was, it was a, a big uh, slice of humble pie that I had to eat because, I mean, I, I went from um, – again, suit and tie kind of C-level meetings to knocking on doors. And that, that was hard uh, to 
uh, swallow. I mean, for the first little bit, I, I, I was telling people I was a project manager instead of a door-to-door sales guy because to me that, that, that just sounded bad. Um, but I, I learned to like it. And the, the coolest part, I guess, what the reason that I, I really dove in is the group of guys was so cool. We had so much fun in Baltimore uh, where I was living because it was uh, close to Johns Hopkins to kind of turned into be like the Baltimore office hangout zone uh, where I had tons of guys and even guys from different offices then started coming because we'd have a lot of fun. We were right on Patterson Park. Um, so getting to know everyone is what really uh, sold this for me because you're I mean, you're you're working with what has become your best friends. The, the just like to kind of explain that a little bit more. Uh, when Caitlin and I got married, Nick Yuha was our minister. Uh, most of the DMs and Legion were at my wedding. Like that, I'm just integrated into this culture that has been a lot of fun, and I wouldn't change it for the world. I can't imagine well, what Yuha so, would be like as a minister. <laughs> I know. I want to. We have to. We have. So I unfortunately couldn't make Will's wedding. I can't remember what was going on. I was on another vacation or something, but. Um, did Will or did Nick, uh, he kind of can't help himself. So what were some Nick things that happened at the wedding? I mean, were there any good, you know, jokes he said or one-liners that he had as the minister? Um, during the wedding, no. He, he was very professional, very, very good. Uh, he actually threw us an engagement party prior to our actual wedding. And that's where the one-liners and the inappropriate Nick came out. <laughs> Um, but it, during the wedding, no, he, he was awesome. He, he was kind of a, uh, a needy minister though, cause he didn't like the suit that Caitlin had picked for him. So right after the wedding, he immediately went and changed his suit. I didn't care of course, but I just thought that was funny. <laughs> Put on a sleeveless suit. Well, um, so Tide, Will grew up out in, in Michigan. What city in Michigan? Well, I grew up in Freeland, Michigan, which is, uh, just outside of Saginaw or Midland or Bay city. It's a, a small community. And, uh, you know, pretty humble beginnings. Um, he was, we were talking the other day. He said that his grand, is it your grandparents' house that you have on the market right now? It's my parents' house the, that's the on house, the market the right now. The house you but... grew up in. The house you grew up in, right? Yeah. So the house he, Will grew up in, he's currently trying to sell. So if there's any buyers out in uh, in Free, Freeland, is it Freeland, Michigan? Um, that's it. It's currently, it's currently listed for thirty thousand dollars tie so uh oh you just pick it up uh, uh, you scoop that it's not worth it it's not worth it (laughs) (laughs) it's not worth it he's a terrible salesman there's a weird there's a weird sales pitch (laughs) i just i almost (laughs) for a house and (laughs) i'll get some i'll get some renters in there and will just talk me out of it but um (laughs) you know i know will comes from humble backgrounds and this is something that's always really impressed me uh, tie about Will is he has one of the strongest work ethics of almost anyone I know and have worked with. And I think it does really stem from, you know, where you grew up. Um, you know, you mentioned to me that you, you know, paid your way, your own way through college. It just seems like everything you have, you've really hard to work hard for. So is that work ethic that you have? Do you feel like it's something that really was instilled from, childhood or was there any specific experience or kind of light bulb moment that you had where you really started as it, is it just always been that way or was it a change that happened over time? So I guess let me first say that 
I, I definitely don't want this to be a woe is me moment because there's people that ha have had it significantly worse than I have growing up. Uh, we didn't have much, but what I did have is really supportive parents. Um, so my drive from being super young was to be able to get out of that community. I watched so many people growing up that um, never got a chance to escape. Not that it's a bad place because I, I really enjoy going back there at times, but there's not much there. There's nothing really going on. There's not much for opportunity unless you work for Dow Chemical. That's the only um, company there that actually pays decent. And money in Michigan, as you guys are probably aware, is different. If you're making 60, 70 grand in Michigan, you're upper, upper, upper class. So it's, it's, I think, I think a lot of it just came from, I wanted to explore experience and I wanted more out of life than just a little hometown. And don't get me wrong. That's probably, uh, I'll probably end up in a, a little hometown in Michigan when I retire, but uh, not where I wanted to raise a family, not where I wanted to be. I wanted to see and experience a lot more than that. So I think, I think it was just that, that hunger to get out of that situation. Not that it was an overly bad one, but I just knew there was more to life than Farmville, Freeland, Michigan. Well, and something else I think is really interesting. Um, so Ty, Will went to, and, and Will, you can expound, but went to one of the most liberal undergrad colleges um, near where you live, right? And then went to uh, one of the most conservative business schools to get his MBA. So um, I, I do find Will is one of the most just diverse guys that, um, you know, I work with and I, I'm assuming that probably comes from a little bit about that, but what, what kind of went into your school selection as you were going through that college process? Well, I'd like to think it was a really uh, educated process at first because it wasn't, uh, I went to central Michigan university for undergrad and that, that is a, a very liberal school, but I went there out of convenience because I was working full time. Um, at a company called Hemlock Semiconductor, which is part of Dow Corning, Dow Chemical, uh, that just to make it relatable where people uh, will know what it is. But I was working there um, 35, 50 hours a week, pending the week while I was going to school. So it made it easy because that's that was the closest school. But then after that, I realized that I wanted to kind of see different perspectives. I, I, I want obviously we want to avoid politics in this discussion, but my both my parents are pretty political. So I wanted kind of both ends of the spectrum to be able to uh, determine where where I fit in and see uh, kind of kind of the overall perspective. I know a lot of people, I think, just grow up believing what they believe and things don't change. And I think that's a mistake, regardless of what you actually believe. You, you really want to immerse yourself in someone else's experiences before you draw your own. Yeah, I think that's really valuable. I think I think we're seeing a lot of that right now as a as an entire, as an entire country. Right. And honestly, like, you know, for, for a job, like the one that we have, any kind of experience that you can acquire is good, right? Like when you go out there in the middle of, you know, one, when you look at your teams and the multiple teams that you work with, you're going to have people from all walks of life and all different uh, political opinions and backgrounds and things like that. And then when you go into neighborhoods, like it's, it's, in order to lead people well, and that's customers and the people that work for you have to have broad perspective and you have to be able to relate and and get along with and communicate effectively with with all kinds of different people um one of the things that i was wondering is when you came in and started selling and then um went to open 
Virginia. So Baltimore was cranking. Like in 2014, 15, 16, I mean, they were cranking. Like that was, we had people that were always looking that direction to be like, wow, the system sizes are huge out there. There's a lot of momentum. I mean, you guys were top three consistently every single quarter. What made you, one, want to stop being a rep and be a DM? Why did you want to do that? What what made it worth it for you to take on the extra headache, heartache, and start leading people? Um, you, you make a lot bigger of an impact leading people. I, I know there's kind of two routes to this job. You either want to take the managerial route. And when I say that, I definitely don't mean managerial route without selling um, because that, that we, it's very important to be leading from the front all the time, or you're just the, the, the rabbit of the office, the top rep. Um, and there, there's that route as well, but I really wanted to, um, put, put my impression on people and be able to lift others up. You make a lot bigger of an impact as a leader than you do just doing your own thing. So that, that's where I, my focus was on. Um, and also the opportunity, I mean, just like anyone else, I wanted to grow and, you you said it perfect high baltimore was doing really really well at that time and i saw virginia just as a, a opportunity maybe i was naive because i didn't know enough about the industry uh, to know the difference between good markets bad markets or whatever um and i just put my head down i, I was going to be successful regardless of what the circumstances were and i that's just kind of how i've forced my way through everything i guess when you when you when you came from Baltimore that was cranking, there's a lot of people that, that that seek the safety. Maybe they have the ambition that you have, but kind of the option at the time was first option was keep being a sales rep and selling a lot and benefiting from high system sizes and kind of ride the momentum train. But you chose to step out and start leading, which is a vulnerable place, right? Like everyone thinks they can do a better job than the manager until they become the manager and then they're like, Oh, I just you just see things differently, right? But to leave a market that's up and running to go open a new one, what what did you what did you see, and how could some people? Uh, there, we have a lot of reps that are in that spot right now, right, where they're earning really well, they're really comfortable, um, but you know, if, if they're asked to lead or called up to lead or encouraged to lead, they have this kind of back and forth. So why go start a market, and what advice do you have for people that might be at that decision point? So. Uh, and I guess just just to tie that up, because there is a, a little bit of an ending to that last story that I want wanted to finish, and then I'll I'll dive into that answer that question. But shortly after that happened, Bywater realized that uh, he had offended me, and I had a trip planned to corporate like a month, two months later, something like that. So I gave him. I went around and gave a bunch of the executives some engraved pens, and I gave uh. uh David, an engraved pen with the hundred dollar bill in the box of the pen. And I believe to this day, the hundred dollars and my signature is on his, in his office above his desk. So I, I think that that's pretty cool. And that our saying between each other is, uh, uh, never forget to bet your bet on yourself. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. But to answer your question, the, the opportunity to lead, uh, you you first have to make the decision that that's something that you want because if you if we force people into different managerial roles that isn't something they want to do that they don't want to make an impact uh, on others then it's really not the the best role for them so you, first you need to make sure that that is 
uh, something that you want to do. But then you have to realize if it is something you want to do, you need to get out of your comfort zone. There's way too many people that are that are comfortable in their uncomfort zone. And that's you're never going to grow. You never no one remembers someone who did well or a saying that I really like is uh, no one remembers someone that made a difference. People remember those that made it different. And I think that that's really powerful because that if, if I wouldn't have taken that leap, I bet someone else would have. And then we may not be having this conversation right now. I'm writing that down. It's true. Well, I remember what, people um, that make a difference. I remember people that make it different. Well, when you first opened up Virginia, what were some of the, what were some of the challenges that you guys faced that you weren't expecting to face? All the different municipalities that it, what was different in my experience. And I was pretty shielded in all honesty in Baltimore because I was in a, uh, a very quick permitting area, no HOA, uh, things happen fast. And in Virginia, it was kind of a slap in the face because the Commonwealth has all different kinds of municipalities. Um, shout out to the OAs that take care of Virginia because that it, I know it's tough. Um, but so that was, I guess, probably the biggest surprise is it, it, you weren't just working in a couple of counties. You were working in multiple, multiple different uh, jurisdictions. So you've now gone from rep to DM to now director. Uh, I know when you were the DM of Virginia and you were so just laser focused on that market and now you're focus has changed. Now you're focused on an entire region. Um, what has that shift been like for you to just be in, entirely focused on one area to now looking at, you know, an entire region, you've got Maryland, Florida, Virginia, um, three very different and unique markets. So what, uh, what has that been like making that shift from DM to director? That's a tough question to answer. Cause I think I'm still figuring it out. Um, it, it's, you're obviously your perspectives have changed, but, um, I guess what's really cool about it is the, the guys that are leading those States, like we've come up through the industry together. Uh, Camillo's the ringleader in Florida for the most part. Um, and him and I went to factory together a couple of years ago. And then the DMs in, in Baltimore I already mentioned with my wedding, but they're some of my closest friends. So it's been a, a lot of fun. Um, I want to give Jake Cook a shout out for really picking up in the DC North office, but I also want to bash him a little bit because he wore shorts to my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? Well, what's that like working with and managing your friends? Because that's a really challenging thing to do. And if if people that haven't done it know. Sometimes it's the best thing ever to work with your friends. And then all of a sudden when there's an issue, it can be a really, really hard thing. So what is that? What has that been like working with some of your closest friends? And especially moving um, into this new role where, you know, in the org chart, you're technically their boss now, right? I mean, are they giving you a bunch of crap that you're, you're their, you know, you're their boss or are they, uh, I mean, what's the vibe between you and your buddies? The I, I think we're, we're um, mature enough that, we still give each other all kinds of crap uh, on, on and off the clock. But when push comes to shove and things get serious, um, I, I'd like to think that I've proven myself to, to be their leader. But a part of it is that I still lean on those guys with every, not almost every decision. So I, I, their input means a lot to me because the they're the ones that's really in the trenches for, for different things. So I think we just, we kind of, we do things as a team, as a unit. And I think that's what is 
um, been the, the coolest part about the new role and the, the coolest part about Legion in general is we, we, we do move as a unit. Um, the, the funny part about like, cause every region has their own culture. Every region has their own, um, subset of things that happen. But the way that I kind of look at our regions, we're a lot, we're a lot like family. We will argue and do, do that sort of thing like family. But if someone else comes into the mix, we all turn on that person which I think that's been pretty cool to see. Um, not, And I don't mean to turn on someone. That's not what I mean, but that's just kind of the culture, the feel, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like you fight with your brothers, but if uh, somebody tries to mess with one of your brothers, you will take a bullet for them, right? Hey, Will, I wanted to ask you, actually, because I know that you're working, obviously, with all of Legion now, but as a DM in Virginia, something that I've always been impressed with over the years is whenever we do these big competitions, whether it's the Revolution, the Rally, or the Bigs, Virginia is just always in the mix for the, you know, they always make a deep run in the playoffs. You guys always bring the heat uh, in these big competitions. You've had multiple winners in the rally. You've had revolution teams win the revolution. What is it about the competitions that you guys just have thrived on over the years? I, I think the biggest thing that um, if you aren't, aren't capitalized on the competitions with the, the cool incentives uh, first of all, you're making a mistake. But the second thing, these competitions is how you brand your name. These competitions are the March Madness of Vivint Solar. They're the Super Bowl or however you want to relate and compare it to. The people remember who's who wins these competitions. So if you want to brand your name, I mean, that's how you do it. I don't know that I've ever spoken to Dave Matson at all, but I, I can tell you that I'm sure we're checking stats and stuff and especially going up against his team uh, in the revolution, especially with what happened with COVID and stuff, that that's how you really, really get respect and earn respect and respect others for really the, the hard, uncomfortable times. And I think that the, the last one was kind of unprecedented because it was right in the mix of COVID. I was in a welcome call when Adam was going over a conference call and I'm trying to listen to both, uh, wearing a mask, trying to use hand sanitizer. And we went on lockdown the next day. And I mean, it, it was a close run. Um, but which which is a lot of fun. But I think that that's the the biggest thing is you want to use these competitions to leverage your name. One thing I actually think we should talk about real quick, Ty, if you have uh, if you have time. So one thing I think um, we should talk about, Will, is we were on an all star trip down in Florida a couple of years ago, Ty, and I'm going to embarrass Will a little bit here, but we were sitting at dinner. Bywater's there, Chance is there, Paul's there. It's a group of it was like me, Daryl, and maybe three or four other guys. And um, I think Will had had a couple drinks at this point, and he was feeling a little loose. And he started running his mouth about how he could beat Madsen in a one-on-one -on -one sales competition. And uh, Bywater uh, was taking this approach, like, I mean, he's pretty good, Will. Like, are you, you know, like, are you sure? And Will was convinced. So I'm going to give Ty an opportunity to set the record straight here. Will was convinced that Dave had setters setting for him. And so he wanted to get dropped into like a neutral sales zone and just go one-on-one -on -one with Dave. So Ty, I want you to set the record straight. And then Will, I want to know if that challenge is still on the table. It's funny. I, uh, I had dinner with Dave last night. I was with him and Taylor last night and uh, they knew we were doing this this morning. And uh, I think there's video of that, of that night, isn't there? 
Isn't there a video of a slightly, <laughs> a slightly loose version of Will Hart speaking loudly? Um, here's the thing that I'll speaking say. I, I actually, That's what we'll call it, speaking loudly. Speaking loudly. Here's the thing that I love about the culture is it, it's cool that people care, right? Like it's, it's, it's an effective, fun dynamic because I don't want to do, I don't want to be a part of a business or a job that doesn't matter. Right. Like, and I don't want to work with people that I don't care about. Right. So like, I think the fact that somewhere on the other side of the country, there are people that are excited and encouraged and, and they're working on trying to bring out the best in people like that. That's honestly so, so cool. And we go head to head with each other all the time um, in different teams, different individuals, and it gets a little heated at the time. And, you know, in the early days, like, me and Adam used to do that same thing and we're great friends. And it's, I, I just think it's really healthy and really great. That said, that said, uh, I, I, I'm grateful that I don't have to defend Dave. You got to just drop in and just airdrop in an area. But we were talking about in the bigs, we do that. So Dave will drop down to San Diego every now and then on a random day in a random neighborhood that he's never been and he's never done it and, and done less than four welcome calls, completely cold neighborhood where he's never been in before showing up and then being like, can you help us? And, you know, cause he was a director of that market and was able to go do it. But I think, I think everybody's got results that speak for themselves. And if you're, we call it the real kind on the West coast, if you're the real kind, it's sustained. It shows year over year, over year, over year. If you're not the real kind, eventually it just comes out, right? You just see it, you find it, you, it, it shows up somehow, but uh, you know, he's number one on the, on the install list. It was 1156 installs yesterday. I mean, it's just, it's, it's unheard of, right? Pretty but crazy. the fact that, yeah, but the fact that he's inspiring, you know, th this kind of volume and that other people are are coming after him and, and and inspired by what he's done. I mean, I think it's incredible. I've worked really close with him for a long time. I think it's awesome, Will, that you have the opportunity to do the same thing for the people you're leading now. Like, you you have what's called, I learned this from Brian Haney. Do you know Brian Haney, Adam? Yep. I went to high school like, with Brian Haney. Wow. Back in 82, when you can throw a football around the Haney, Brian Haney was our student body president, Ty. Brian and I are really good friends. Of course he was. Of course he was. He's great. Uh, he gave this training <laughs> once that I remember. He was he was talking about Anderson Silva. And he was talking about how pound for pound he was the best fighter. And uh, he said he had this thing called non-codifiable knowledge. And he just basically looked at the group and he's like, you can do things that your reps cannot do. Like, you have an ability to do things that they can't do. And so his point was, you have to be inspiring and you have to keep challenging yourselves because the person that you are is going to inspire them to eventually do things that now they can't do, right? And when I look across the industry, Will, you're doing it. Like, anybody that competes in those, in those challenges is just, is just loaded up on non-codifiable knowledge, stuff you can't teach. But if you can be it and you can be the example of it, you inspire a whole generation of people that will come through and do way better stuff than we've ever done. And on a bigger platform, right? Like the news of the last couple of weeks, this is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. The accomplishments we have now are, are cute and they're great, but somebody's going to absolutely blow them away. The, the so, Will, one thing that if I can make a suggestion go, to you guys as VPs, that would be to, um, cause I'm definitely not going to, in Adam were Adam's words, speak loudly today. But I definitely would be open to a competition. It's too, it's too early in the day. It's too early in the day. Everything <laughs> that's going on. I think that's how we should open new markets in the future is have uh, a couple of, we can call it like the championship circle or something, a couple of uh, different sales athletes that are throwing volume go compete for um, a couple of weeks, week or two, whatever. And that's how we get traction in a market. 
um, and then have someone else take it over. I think that'd be really cool because I know that would have really helped me in Virginia, but I, I think that's something that we should start doing um, to open new markets. And it would be a, a way to inspire camaraderie and stuff. Great idea. Cool idea. Well, what's a, what's, a, what's a lesson you learned the hard way that's become the hard way? Get it? Use your last name. It's a thing. Um, no, what's something that, <laughs> you know, the I best, the Ty best is, lessons that I've learned. Ty is your new marketing manager. <laughs> he definitely should yeah. be. The, the lessons that you learn the best are the ones where you get your butt kicked. So if you could be open and vulnerable for a second, what are some times where you had to take it on the chin and it's become, you know, part of the, part of the, the program and like the, the will hard doctrine that you teach to your guys that's born of an experience. I don't know, actually that, that I've learned. And I guess when I say, I don't know, it's not that I haven't learned lessons the hard way it's that i've learned so many that i don't know what the best example is because i've done a lot of i've made my i've made over my fair share of mistakes that's for sure um the hardest lesson i guess that i've ever had to to deal with and overcome is realizing how important family is because part of my uh, i guess growth not even just as industry in general is i wanted to get out like when i was young i really envisioned myself never even visiting michigan even dealing with that and then i with uh the loss of both my grandparents pretty close back to back um my my goals have been to be the pillar of the family for everything that that's going on because um, no one in my family really has that much. So I, I want to make sure that I, I can be there if anything were to happen. But I guess that's the hardest lesson or hardest pill that I, I, I've had to swallow is realize that your your close friends and family are literally the most important thing in anyone's life, in my opinion. And that might not have been the best way to answer that question. But I think that's been the, like the hardest lesson is, is realizing that uh, your mom, dad and your 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 close friends your brother that that's they're, they're forever i mean my little brother lives with me um i i wanted to kind of take him out of his current situation because uh, there isn't a lot there um so he's living with me and working in richmond now and um I, i'd like to do that and help people out as much as i can uh the adam kind of knows this but ty you definitely won't the the running joke between caitlin and i is that we've run a vivant halfway house the last four years i think we've always had a rep or two living with us always um and i think there's been five or six different ones now which to me that's how you 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 make an impact and that's how you really bring someone up so i i'll do it again tomorrow um but i I guess that's the best way i'd know how to answer that question i have a i have a funny story with the halfway house so my uh my wife was this is when i was running the thousand oaks team my wife was in Utah for a couple of weeks with the kids. So I was just in the house by myself. And I had this rep who's a good buddy of mine that's like, hey, can I like, can I like move in with you for a couple of weeks? Which is kind of a heavy ask. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And I was like, uh, yeah, you know, like, is there anything? And he had a family and everything. He's like, I just want to see what you do. And I was like, well, you know what I do? He's like, no, I want to see like what you do like at night and in the morning and like what a day in life, like what makes people successful. And I was like, yeah, I mean, cool. Like nobody's in my house. So sure, it's better than being there by myself. So he comes over and brings all like his stuff for his like sleepover and stuff. And I remember I was up in the morning and I had like my iPad, I was sitting at the table and I had this oatmeal in front of me and he comes in, it was our first morning and he sits down and he like looks at his watch and he goes, eating oatmeal. And I was like, no, this isn't part of the training. This is, I'm just eating. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's like looking <laughs> for the secret of like how to sell lights. Like, self. all right, you know, I need to do that. Note to self, 707 Oatmeal. Yeah, with blueberries and honey. It's like, but it's so funny. I think people often look for, um, they look for those secret things. But dude, there's one being willing, like that's next level management stuff, right? <clears throat> being willing to have people in your home. You don't really ever escape from the job, right? It's more of a lifestyle and more of a, uh, yeah, it's just more of a way of life than it is a job. But I think that's a really special experience for those people that have had a chance to like be in your home, live in your home. I know a lot of people do the same thing. Uh, you know, we always joke that like Turnbull has a car that's like the it's like the Southern California car. Like it's probably been lent out to like 30 different people that just drive it or people staying at other people's houses. But ultimately, a good leader is somebody that, that gives of themselves to help somebody else be successful right i think that's you know that's a that's a great lesson learned you know it doesn't mean that everybody has to have people live in their house but the fact that you're willing to you know what i mean i think that i think that speaks a lot for reps the, i agree and one of the quotes that i like to say is you uh you become strong by lifting others up uh not by pulling them down that's right you know one something i've always been really impressed with will is well you've got a bit of a reputation for kind of being a bulldog trying you know getting things done that you are passionate about and feel strongly about, especially in regards to when you were building Virginia and, and, you know, getting that market up and running. But what I've noticed from working directly with you is your ability to take uh, feedback. Well, um, especially when, uh, you know, it's maybe not even necessarily positive feedback. It could be like, Hey, like you, you know, the, you have, rub somebody the wrong way or this, that, whatever, or just whatever it is. Um, I think a lot of guys tend to get defensive and you're one of the more humble, per one of the more humble people that I've ever worked with, especially when it comes to receiving feedback. And I know that I've learned some of the most pivotal moments in my career have been when I've gotten good feedback from chance, even when it was kind of hard to hear. But um, has there been any, any moments like that throughout your career where, you were kind of heading down a track mentally with your career and you got some feedback from someone that maybe changed the direction a little bit. Uh, yeah, uh, there definitely has been. Um, the, and, and you're right. I, I definitely did realize after I got uh, some feedback from you, Adam, and I, I think I, similar feedback along the same lines from Daryl um, is that the, the, my takeaway, what I've really learned is you you have to tread really lightly with people that you don't know and you the, it's not a matter of what you say it's a matter of how you make people feel so like just to use this podcast for an example i know that i could insult adam right now to his face if i needed to um and not even an insulting way but adam knows my personality knows my intention where i don't know that i could get away with doing that with you ty so what i've really learned is you you've got to first be able to build the relationship, build the rapport um, before you can kind of have those tough conversations. And I think that's a mistake that I made early on as a leader is I didn't have the rapport, rapport. I didn't have the reputation and I was still trying to have those tough conversations. So I, I, that, so I guess to directly answer your question, Adam, it, that essentially came from you of making sure you have the relationship because coming from, again, the Legion, where we're all very close, that's how we interacted. So now I'm on a, a conference call with someone from corporate or I'm on the phone uh, that where I, with people that I've never had any FaceTime with. It just didn't go over the right way. So I, I've definitely tried to uh, mend 
that reputation at least as best as I can. And I think that anyone, once you get to know someone and you understand them a little bit, uh, things things are a little bit different, right? Yeah. I mean, and Ty, I don't know if you've had similar experiences either with your leaders or even just with yourself, but I, oh, I actually am kind of curious, Ty, what, uh, what um, we've never had this conversation either, but Ty, have you had anything like that or gotten feedback that's changed the course of your you know, the way you approach leadership or just your career? Yeah, so many, man. I, th- that was a really good question because I'm thinking about the exact same thing. But this idea that that you have to connect before you can give um, real direct feedback to people, it, it's 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 really true, man. Like I, I got some feedback once where um, it was funny because, you know, you see yourself, you only know how you see yourself, right? But you hop in like, I can't hop in your skull, Will, and look out and see how, how I am. You know what I mean? And so in my head, uh, I actually got this from an OA once, which is crazy. But in my head, I'm like light and unintimidating and like friendly and stuff. And she's like, hey, you're always like, like after we got to know each other, she's like, man, you're really different than I thought initially. I was like, why? She's like, well, I thought you were just kind of like serious and arrogant and kind of like, just like hard. And I was like, what? Like, but then I realized like, how am I coming off? Like when I come into these offices, am I on my phone dealing with something head down and going in? And um, I actually learned if you ever walk into, um, I, I spent a lot of time with Turnbull and when he goes into an office or, or Chance, Chance does this. He walks into the OAs, hi, I'm Chance. I like talks to him and stuff like that. It's just, it's one of those things where, man, I was just coming off totally different than, than I had thought. The other thing that I thought with, with the comment was people, and Will, you spoke to this, people often say like, oh, I just speak my mind. I tell it how it is. And I always say, you don't speak your mind, you speak your emotions. People think, Oh, I, I just, I speak, I speak truth. And it's like, no, that's what you're feeling right now. But just because you feel it doesn't mean it's true. doesn't mean it's accurate, right? Like you, as a leader, you can't just speak your mind. You have to actually internalize what's happening, acknowledge that, Hey, am I feeling an emotion on a conference call, something like that? And is it actually true? Just because you feel it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. And so I've had to really watch that. Right. Like when somebody says something and your initial inclination is to fire back or working across multiple channels or taking feedback and hearing somebody else give you feedback. I think stopping and processing is vital because speaking your mind and speaking your truth isn't it, it's not always great advice. That's what I thought about. Yeah, 100 percent. Will, it's been awesome getting to know you, man. Uh, I know a lot of the guys on the West Coast haven't had a chance to really get to know you better, so hopefully um, they feel like they know Will Hart a little bit better. You are one of the all-time loan install. Uh, what are you, top three all-time loan now? I think only – who's beating you right now, Will, in loan? Uh, uh, Weiler and Terry Xanthos are the two that are beating me in loan, but rest assured I'm coming for them. Those are formidable opponents, man. <laughs> They're both good dudes. Both we've had Terry on the podcast, so he's the man. Uh, I don't know Weiler as well, but um, Weiler's next guys, week, so, so I'll have to issue the challenge. Uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> we'll let him know Will's coming. Um, but yeah, Will, keep it up, man. You're doing a great job down in Legion, obviously with Virginia, and now working with the entire region. So excited to see. I feel like I feel like Legion is like it's like a bunch of young. Uh, it's like a young NBA basketball team that's on the come up. You know what I mean? They got a bunch of young leaders, some some new fresh blood in there. And uh, it's going to be exciting to watch these guys get after it the next couple of years. Great. Legion's so, definitely going to be on the come up. I like it. Well, cool. This has been another episode of Electric People. Thanks, everybody.
If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, check us out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.